being prayerful stewards of the places and people of our lives. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you, says Paul to the Thessalonians, and I suppose to the Alabamians. Hey colleagues, this is Bill Morgan. The only thing better than reading Don Shockley's private prayers in public places, the notebook of an urban pilgrim, the only thing better than reading it for the first time is reading it again. I can testify. A bit of Don's biography is helpful before we get started. Don grew up in the Avondale area of Birmingham with his extended family in the Avondale Methodist Church. He graduated from Birmingham Southern College, went to seminary at Emory. After a two-year stint as associate minister at Canterbury, he returned to Birmingham Southern as chaplain for eight years, 1964-1972. Don spent most of the 1970s as chaplain of Redlands University in California, the 80s as chaplain of Emory University, the 90s overseeing United Methodist Campus Ministries, Wesley Foundation. Here's a bit how Don's biography crisscrosses my autobiography. He is one of my heroes and mentors, a pivotal bridge person in my life. There are Birmingham Southern, Avondale Methodist, and even Canterbury Connections. As chaplain and teacher at Birmingham Southern, he helped ground me, a fledgling freshman, and launch my faith and ministry. My first church job was youth director at Avondale United Methodist Church, where I met Diane, who turned out to be Don's second cousin. Don officiated at our wedding. Years later, Diane and Don got me over the bridge for a fuller affirmation of the ways we humans love each other. Moving on. If we could warp travel to the time and place of St. Francis of Assisi, we might find him standing on his head. When asked why he did this, Francis said, by standing on his head with the ground above and the sky below, it reminded him how the unseen holds up the seen in our lives. What we see in our lives is pretty much the places where we are and the people there. Without denying the tactile, factual reality of places and people, if that is all we see, then life is cardboard flat, shallow, one-dimensional. For lives worth living for and dying for, we pay attention. We watch and listen to the more than meets the eyeness of it and us all. Call it the prayerful stewardship of the places and people of our lives. Recall a steward takes care of something valuable that belongs to, that is a gift from another. So whatever else the places and people of our lives are, they are gifts from the great mystery in whom we live and move and have our being, our, our breathing. Uh, the God we know and experience in Jesus. Don Shockley is a great steward of the places and people of his life. 
He shares a collection and collation of reflection pieces. Near 60 short vignettes, tableau, written across 25-plus years. A plethora of places range from cafes and coffee shops to churches, airports, planes, trains, waiting rooms, dental chairs, museums, street scenes, and more. Places on three continents, San Francisco, Rio de Janeiro, Prague, Nashville, Atlanta, Birmingham, and more places, and on the road betwixt and between. A plethora of people, colleagues, friends, and family, but most with an array of strangers and strange ones. Strange ones, of course, is inclusive to colleagues, friends, and family. Now, these are prayers, I would say a form of contemplative prayers, will unfold. But for now, let us warp wing from Francis of Assisi to Forrest Gump, waiting for the bus, quoting his mother. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I recall the Whitman sampler that was always on my grandmother's coffee table. There was the diagram on the inside of the box top, but I usually just dug in. So here are a few Shockley sampler chocolates. Shortly after moving across country from being college chaplain in California to being the new chaplain at Emory University, Don checked out Ed Green's restaurant. Don begins here. What a surprise to find right here in Emory Village such a mellow eating establishment. Half laid-back Georgia country and half California funky. Coffee comes in ancient white ceramic mugs, and by golly, you get real cream. You sit in plain old wooden slat-back chairs. The waitresses are wearing kerchiefs on their heads, faded jeans, or well-worn ankle-length gingham skirts. This place is real. The world is real today, and I am real too. I want to jump up and say, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Hooray. All right. And amen. End quote. <laughs> A few pages, chocolates later, Don is in the dentist chair, actually in the Emory Dental School Clinic, having a student do all those scary things dentists do in our mouths. Don, now here is an unlikely place for reflection. I have been sitting for what seems forever in the clinic provided by the Emory Dental School. I do not mean in the waiting room. For more than two hours, I have been in a chair reserved for persons whose teeth are being repaired by students being trained to become dentists. I will never forget, as the Novocaine took hold, listening to the professor tell my student how to use that collection of little files. It has been my good fortune to be involved in the educational process all of my life, but fortunately, it has not always been in the role of guinea pig. To tell the truth, though, I guess you could say that many people along the way have taken risks allowing me to learn how to be a chaplain by trusting me to help them. I'm grateful for whatever contributions I have made in the education of several young dentists at bargain prices. As for the pain, well, what I have endured is minimal compared to so many of God's children in this world. Why so many must suffer is something I will never understand. I can only pray to be more of a significant part of the healing 
than I have been so far. End quote. The one I want to share now is, is a kind of a nutty chocolate. Don names this piece the Old Rolling Cross. Don. At first glance, you would surmise that Jesus just crossed a busy street in San Francisco. I am sitting in a bar where Irish coffee made its first appearance in this country. Friday afternoon, the place is packed. I have taken up a position where I can watch the people inside and also have a good view of the folks outside. Scores of people. In the midst of them, there emerged a bearded young man of quite serious demeanor. Across his shoulder lay a heavy wooden cross that I judged to be eight to ten feet in length. A considerable burden, I first thought. I watched as this surrogate Jesus came into full view. I was surprised by what I saw. Fixed to the foot end of the long vertical member of the cross was a nice spoked wheel, thickly trimmed with rubber. Anyway, the young man's grimness notwithstanding, one had to conclude that this particular cross moved along quite smoothly. A few comment about the absurdity of the sight, but most of my fellow patrons either failed to notice or were not all that impressed. This suggests if the Lord Jesus returns to earth, San Francisco should be seriously discounted as a possible point of entry. Not enough people would notice is the way I think about it. But I will be awake and alert. I'm ready to spot you, Lord. And any guise, including that of a confused young man carrying a uniquely mobile cross, you come whenever the notion strikes. If I have occasionally expressed doubts concerning your returning, It is only because I have never been sure you left. Anyway, I like to hang out in places like this where I have a good view of the people. And I am watching. Almost always, I am watching. End quote. Wow. There are over 50 more of these. They are in some order connected to the geography and chronicity of Don's life. He'll tell you about that. But just dig in. Most any one or two page selection. As with any box of chocolates, don't try to eat, I mean, read too many at once. I have barely given you a taste of the delights that await you. Let's let Don talk a bit about his method and his curious way of praying. Don. Brother David Stendhal Rast, a monk in the Benedictine order, has written... Quoting, By listening deeply to the message of any moment, I shall tap the very source of the unfolding meaning of my life. End quote. Don continues, My experience strongly suggests this is true. When observed carefully, ordinary moments are what they are, but often they also bear within them a reference to larger, deeper meanings. This listening to ordinary moments is the primary form which prayer has taken in my life. Here's a sentence to soak in. If the forms of spiritual expression I knew as a child encouraged me to look away from earth 
toward heaven, I gradually recognized that the only way I could see heaven was to look more closely at earth. Don continues, writing is a necessary sequel to this special way of listening and looking. It brings images to the surface and gives them form before they get away. So I write while still in public space in an almost stream of consciousness fashion, letting the thoughts come as they will. In addition to coffee shops, the following meditations were written in airplanes and on trains in a variety of waiting rooms and museums on one occasion while watching a baseball game. I welcome the observation that these writings are a curious way to pray. The word curious has its roots in Latin for to care and to cure. The relationship between care and cure is obvious enough, but how they are related to curiosity is a good question. To be curious is to pay attention. These Meditations represent a way of paying attention that is open and ready to receive whatever comes in the encounter with people, places, and things. It is prayer, a spiritual practice as listening and looking. End quote. I suppose the autobiographic crisscross of Don in my life is Birmingham Southern. And in one of his reflections, he writes about Birmingham Southern. This college itself has greatly enriched my life. Here I learned not only to see, but also to think. As odd as it may sound, we have to learn how to think. That is to say that we have to become aware of the process of thinking, just as we need to pay attention to the process of seeing. We have a moral obligation to think critically, to be able better to judge what is true and false, what is right and what is wrong. I could name many more gifts of this college that it has given to me, listening, speaking, and a love for reading come to mind immediately. But I will just say, had I not been a student here, my life would have been very different. I am a child of this fostering mother, this alma mater. And sitting here today in the autumn of my life, I look back in profound gratitude, end quote. Now, for some pulling of this together on the matter of how we pray, Don writes, does it matter whether one prays or not? Maybe not. If one agrees that a lot that passes for prayer isn't, and a lot that doesn't is, I love many of the corporate prayers of the church. But for the most part, I just listen and look to try to hear deeper echoes in the ordinary conversations and to see beneath the surface of commonplace things. Sometimes I think I hear another voice and see another face in the crowd. And I am aware of a presence. Don raises the question of what passes for prayer. Hmm. The great theologian Anne Lamont says that prayer is essentially three words. Help, thanks, wow. I guess which one of that trinity gets the most emphasis depends on the jam or joy that day or night we are in. 
perhaps help, thanks, wow, can work for a breath prayer refrain. Or the classic, Lord Jesus Christ, be merciful to me, a sinner. For me on occasion, puffing away on my morning jaunt, it is praise God from whom all blessings flow. Or just huffing and puffing, doxology, doxology. The great tradition of praying the rosary intrigues me. I can see how the reverent, rhythmic repetition of that sequence of the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, and the Hail Marys could calm and focus a person. But my confession is I already juggle too many words. Some go for the formulaic, acrostic-type prayer recipes like Acts, A-C-T-S, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. Fill in the blanks with your matters du jour. Blessings, blessings, if this works for you. The form would distract me from the content of my prayers. Like Don, some of the great prayers of the church, the Book of Common Prayer, United Methodist Book of Worship, uh, John Wesley's uh, Service of Covenant. Those kinds of prayers have power in my life. They represent that trinity, that trialogue nature of prayer. God, self, others are always involved to some degree when we pray. Even if the others are those across the centuries or those very up close and personal now, they are either up front or in the back of our minds and hearts. In the oddness of Godness, we never totally pray alone. Besides Jesus' gift of the Lord's Prayer, always just right. There are his counsels for prayerful living that connects us to God, each other, and our real selves. More than once, he says, let those who have ears listen. It may seem a bit simplistic when Jesus says, pay attention to the flowers and the birds. But the word he often uses, katanoia, means pay attention with intelligence, which in the biblical sense is a combination of both head and heart. Don's prayers strike me as winsome expressions of contemplative prayer that lean into the nature of paying attention to our lives and others before God. The writing part also connects with me. I have long been a person who has to write a bit to figure out what's going on in my head and heart and relationships with people and even with God. I like this method of praying. Let me close with a touching quotation toward the end from one of the reflections. Although I've spent my life in church, I no longer have many certainties. But I do know this much, and this is something I live by. We are saved by grace alone. At the heart of things, there is an immense compassion which rises to meet us when in whatever way, we lose our traction on the ground beneath us and begin an uncontrolled ascent to we know not where. In the midst of such helplessness, something always stops me, saves me. From way down deep inside, a soft voice rises with reassurance and affirmation. I see you, it says. Yes, I see you. And I love you. And in those precious moments, Father, I know it is your voice 
I hear. Amen and amen, my friend. Thank you.